Welcome to the Brain Health and Beyond podcast with your hosts, Aisha and Dean Sherzai. Today, we are going to talk about the movement that we have started. We believe this is a revolutionary movement that will not only change brain health, but healthcare in general. In conjunction with this, we will talk about our book, the new book that just came out on the 23rd of March, Tuesday. It's titled The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution. But before anyone assumes that this is about promoting some money-making book, we have to tell you that all of the profits of the book go to the Healthy Minds Initiative, our not-for-profit. In fact, everything we do goes to the Healthy Minds Initiative. Our books, our lives, our work, it's all about the idea of revolutionizing brain health in different communities. During our conversation today, we will talk to you about the book and why it is designed the way it is, about our initiative, and also about the way we are changing communities. So this is, uh, uh, this is different. I know that we are, we are the ones talking about our own initiative in, in, in a very, a little bit bombastic way, but we definitely, you'll, by the time we get done with this conversation, you'll see that this is very different. And, and I hope that everybody who listens to this would want to be part of this and uh, can add to this. We've already started this in many levels absolutely, and in several communities. And we think that already we're making a difference. We're making waves. But before we go on, um, again, the book, we got to show them the book. Please go purchase the book. Like we said, 100% of the profits go to um, the uh, Healthy Minds Initiative. Uh, the link to the book can be found in, uh, in the notes below. And for those who sign up early, even up to the end of this coming week, um, uh, beginning of April, that you will get into a group an incredible group of people now already in the thousands where we will actually take you through a month of this uh, brain healthy um, journey where in during this month we'll be there every day we'll give you information we'll give you tools there'll be nutritionists there will be two behaviorists a sleep doctor from harvard uh, um, uh, stress doctors and so many other people helping you and so i think this is going to be an incredible one month Yes, whenever a book comes out, you know, sometimes there is there are these bonuses that are given, whether it's a couple of <laughs> yeah. pages of um, recipes or, you know, shopping lists and things of that nature. But Dean and I kind of made it a little hard on ourselves because we're, uh, I guess we just hold ourselves <clears throat> accountable and uh, we wanted to make sure that this idea of the 30 day journey is fulfilling, that it's wholesome that you don't feel deprived. So we made ourselves available. And I think there's a lot of value in coming together as a community as well, supporting each other and learning from each other. And we're so fortunate that our friends, you know, whether they're sleep specialists or stress specialists or uh, individuals who have training in behavior modification and habit formation, they're all going to come in and we can all learn so much from their experiences and their conversations. Uh, two of the other things they get during that month is a, a an app, a, a lifestyle app and a brain app that has been validated in, a, in studies. I mean, when we take talk about validated, there's a lot of apps out there, but there haven't been validated in a major study. So we have these two elements that they will be using as well. Correct. So that said, go get the book, get into the group before beginning of April and uh, join us in this journey. Uh, but the next step is why are we doing this right. so the why 
<clears throat> I think that's the first step, isn't it? It's always the, the why. Why are we doing this? It is. And the why is because it's about us. It's about humanity. What makes us human beings is this organ, this three pound organ, this brain. It's not the heart, it's not the liver, it's not the kidney. Those are important, don't get me wrong. But what makes us who we are is our brain and we have not addressed it properly in the past. Um, in fact, there wasn't addressed for centuries and was taken as a cursory secondary organ. True. We've been at best cardiocentric, you know, you will find it in your heart as the statement goes and, and similar um, um, language, but you won't, it's in the brain, your personality, yourself, your love, your joys, your, your, your fears, everything is in your brain. And we have not really done much for this brain. Mm. All we've done is identify problems after trauma after a disease has manifested and that's a problem because by that time it's often too late right because it's a complex organ but in the last few decades we're we've just in the last few decades we've begun to learn more and more for us the, and we'll tell you how we came to this journey but the beginning of it was um actually we both didn't know until we had a conversation together about 18 years ago mm -hmm. but the journey started much earlier than that uh, because we saw our grandparents. Yeah. I mean, that was the first conversation you and I had. Right. Um, brilliant people just lose parts of themselves in small increments with significant pain and suffering to this horrible disease, Alzheimer's. Dementia is the umbrella category. It's, there are multiple types of dementia and Alzheimer's is a major category, 60 to 70% of all, all dementias. Um, and it's the fastest growing epidemic in the world right the numbers are scary it is currently six million people are living with alzheimer's disease in the united states only and this number is rapidly increasing um, the statistics show us that every 64 seconds someone is diagnosed with alzheimer's disease and we believe that in many communities they don't even seek help for cognitive diseases of aging they consider it as a normal part of getting old and there was a lot there was a there was a time when it was referred to as senility right remember those Correct. codes that we used to see in doctor's notes um and um, there are certain communities that are afflicted with this terrible disease more than others um among the african americans the numbers are are much more yeah two to, uh, anywhere between two to four times greater as well as hispanics which is about 2.7 to three times greater correct and two-thirds of people with Alzheimer's disease are women um, and two thirds of caregivers are women. So this is a, a disease that really affects the women population significantly. And we don't have any treatment for it. There's not a single treatment that has been found so far after decades of research and close to 400 clinical trials have all failed. Some of them were successful in animals, but whenever they were applied to human beings, it never really showed anything. We're still, you know, hopeful, but so far there really isn't much that we can do when somebody has already been afflicted with Alzheimer's disease. And, and that's an important point. There are people out there, there are influencers and doctors that, that are making claims that they can reverse Alzheimer's because that way you can pick off people, or, you know, you can play on people's hopes. You can play on people's dreams, but that's so unethical. Absolutely. We would never make that claim. But short of that, cognitive decline, mild cognitive impairment, uh, just normal aging and cognitive uh, changes, all of that can be affected. And that's significant because if we affect that population, 
we will we we we've been saying this for more than a decade now and we're proud of it because now everybody else is catching up that uh, about nine tenths or 90 percent of alzheimer's and a great majority of other dementias can be prevented and up to 80 percent of strokes can be prevented right. i mean these are massive diseases stroke is another 80 one 90. yeah 80 90. aisha is a stroke specialist got her fellowship uh, from columbia university that can be affected significantly mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we, we really think that this is an opportunity to make those. And by the way, how you can make that difference is not through some biohacking or some vitamin concoctions or some some unusual you know foods. Um, uh, it's about a more comprehensive approach that you can you know in, involve in in your own homes, in your own communities, in your own at your own work with not any excessive cost. In fact, the book, our book. It, what we're most proud of is that you will not have to spend any extra money for any unusual recipes. You don't have to go out of your way to create any kind of, you know, gym memberships or anything of that nature. Yeah. It is a behavioral model that slowly inculcates and incorporates a comprehensive lifestyle into your life. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, we were very uncomfortable with the 30 day thing because we thought that maybe it was too gimmicky and so on. And so on. But the 30 days, not about the fact that after 30 days, you'll be cured. No, 30 days are there. So you can go through this process and truly own the process, not so much the outcome, because once you own the process, the outcome, whether it's Alzheimer's, stroke, heart disease, migraines, many of the chronic diseases of aging will respond to that process, which we'll talk about more specifically in a bit. So um, getting back to our grandparents, right? Um, Aisha's grandfather was a brilliant man, and you, I, yeah, you want to tell talk tell us about him. And he his, was he yeah. was um, a surgeon. He was trained at Columbia University, and he got his master's in public health from Johns Hopkins. And he was a brilliant man. He became the prime minister of a country and changed the constitution. And we're we grew up with him being as a visionary, as a hero, and to see someone slowly and gradually lose parts of his memory and his self and his personality and get to the point where he couldn't remember to do things for himself. He couldn't remember the people around him was a painful experience. And I still recall how my father and my mother who took care of him would basically just tear up and cry when they, they would see these moments of weakness in such, you know, giant of a man. So that left a mark and your grandfather was a remarkable man. Yeah, my and grandfather. He went through it. Yeah, he was the same, uh, an amazing mind. The whole family would gather around him in, in our farm or our weekend farm where we would get together and talk. And then we saw the first semblance of the disease when he forgot how to move a chess piece. This is a guy that was brilliant and knew how to play chess incredibly but he forgot he taught you guys yeah and, and that's how we kind of knew that this 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 uh, disease was coming but another story that i haven't told is my grandmother so my grandmother was a woman that actually taught herself how to read and write amazing she knew several languages she was the leader of the family her husband had died early so she took care of everybody she was so powerful but in, as she started suffering from um, alzheimer's we saw her becoming more and more fearful and pretty much, you know, uh, metaphorically and in reality, turn away from the world. In fact, for the last year or so, I was uh, sharing a room with her just to make sure that nothing went wrong. 
I had, I was in one bed, she was in another bed. And for most of the time she would be facing the wall. This person, this giant that would actually never face away from, from any fears was so fearful that she would fit. So we experienced these horrible situations with our loved ones. And then when we saw patients, same thing, we see them, you know, our, our, our grandparents and each and every one of those, those patients, we've done this for years now. I've seen more than 12,000 yeah. patients. You have seen thousands of patients and I never want to get, uh, conditioned and, and desensitized to it. Every single time I, I choke up a tear of it, I want to make sure that we do something meaningful instead of just giving them certain symptomatic medication. Uh, so that's, that's where we started from. Breaking the news to patients is one of the most painful experiences to break the news to them that their loved one is suffering from Alzheimer's disease, because there's a, there's a, there's a huge reluctance to face that first of all. Um, and even sometimes when patients or their families, when families know that their loved one is going through it, there's always this sense of guilt mm -hmm. in many ways to face the truth and to come forward and accept the fact that their loved one is going through um, dementia or is diagnosed with dementia. And I think that also is one of the reasons why people um, not seek help at the earlier stages. Correct. Where, you know, when someone is having some memory problems, they either joke about it. How many times have you seen patients like just joke about, oh, that happens. It doesn't, it's not yeah. a big deal. I forget things um, a lot of times. And we always try to focus on early detection and early diagnosis because that's the time when something can be done for those individuals. But then, you know, when it comes to uh, public health, and the number of people who are at risk and who may suffer from some cognitive decline that never gets picked up by family members, the number of people going through that is immense. Immense, immense, absolutely. So um, in the last <laughs> nearly 15 years, we've been in a journey, a journey to figure out how to you know, fix this problem. And this journey has taken us a completely different direction than we thought originally. I mean, I started at National Institutes of Health, the experimental therapeutics branch, and uh, day and night I would be there and working on 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 different protocols, different research, uh, wonky research like putting stem cells into brains and and uh, BDNF into specific regions of the brain called basal ganglia for Parkinson's patients, and 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 none of these things were working, and and that's was why. We have to say it was exciting. It, it was, was exciting. exciting and it is still valuable. Very. And there, I, I think we will definitely get to a point where there will be treatment for it with, with the, with the speed of technology, with the speed of diagnostics, with the speed of finding new methods of treatment for these, you know, horrible diseases. I think we will come to a point where we will have treatments, but, um, so far we don't, we don't, not at all, not zero. And especially when you're involved in seeing. Uh, patients in the clinic and not knowing that you have, you, know, you don't, you don't really have anything to offer them that can become really depressing and sad. Incredibly. I mean, every patient that comes to me that, that, that they get the diagnosis of dementia for the first time, I have to take their license away by law. I have to tell the family that you have to be worried about, you know, loss of money because that, that, you know, that, that, that happens. People, uh, who have dementia start to have making mistakes and actually there are there are sharks out there that that find people with oh, dementia and, so and steal their money elder elder abuse is a huge elder issue. abuse exactly and 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 so many other problems as well 
And all you're doing is basically telling them, you know, all the problems that they will be facing. Right, right. And it's important because it, it, by giving them the information and giving them the tools, they can control that journey. And, and, I, and I, I like helping people going through that journey. But I rather if we can help a significant proportion of population avoid it, that would be so much better. Oh, I think we're not doing a good job if we don't talk about prevention Correct. because there's this tsunami that is hitting us. We're actually in the middle of a tsunami. If you had to create an analogy, it's yeah. like being in the middle of a storm where, you know, millions and millions of people are suffering and there's, you know, thousands and thousands that are being diagnosed with dementia. Um, there has to be an approach to, yes, take care of these incredible patients who already are suffering, but also do a whole lot more to stop it from from happening. Correct, and that's where our focus <clears throat> has been so far. Yeah, and and uh, the research I did at NIH, the research you did that uh, we did in uh, UCSD with fMRIs, all these amazing tools and and uh, uh, clinical trials. The research we did in Loma Linda, where I was the director of all research for residents and and for neurology, and and then you at Columbia, and we'll talk about some of that, and all of that has culminated into these books and these efforts in the communities. What we said 12 years ago, which was that Alzheimer's for a great number of people can be prevented, was so controversial. Mm -hmm. It's no longer controversial. Uh, everybody agrees that it can. It's just the argument is over the numbers. It's not even over what, what we need to do. It's over the numbers. So we've actually moved on. We know that it's preventable. We say the numbers can be as high as 90%. But when we say 90% plus, we're talking about a long duration of a comprehensive and fully invested lifestyle change. Right. But even so, but it's not binary. It's not all or none. Mm -hmm. Even if you change your lifestyle a little bit, you will improve significantly. Absolutely. And that's the key. Yeah. Um, and that's been our approach. And um, although a few years ago, that would have gotten us kicked out of places. Now we're getting invited by major conferences because at the Alzheimer's Association International Conference, right. the plenary talk was prevention is the new cure. Yeah, if you look at all these major organizations, um, uh, whether it's the Alzheimer's Association, whether it's the American Academy of Neurology or the um, American Society of Aging, I mean, all of them are now, they've come to a consensus that Alzheimer's is preventable, which took a long time. Yeah. And we had tremendous amount of information that it was preventable, but I guess it just takes time for, you know, bigger organizations to come to a consensus about something as major as that. Initially, if you recall, Dean, when we started our residency and fellowship, the statement was Alzheimer's is not treatable and not preventable. And then after a few years, we had some documentation, some papers that came from observational studies and from some clinical trials that showed that, you know, perhaps it is preventable. And that percentage grew and grew and grew over the years. And in 2019, at the plenary session of the Alzheimer's Association, I remember um, the, the team of scientists and physicians from Finland University, they their plenary session, and the first session was about the prevention of Alzheimer's disease, that Alzheimer's is the, is pre the prevention of Alzheimer's is the new treatment. That yeah. was the statement on the slide. And I remember how how happy we were mm -hmm. to hear that. that. That others had come around. And the other study that came to us was from um, uh, Rush University, the MIND study. Right. That a, a, a diet, a particular type of diet, and, and we will talk about that, reduced the 
chance of developing Alzheimer's by as much as 53%. That was revolutionary. Yeah. So the MIND diet, um, for those of you who are not familiar with that concept, so it's a, it's a hybrid of the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet, dietary approach to stop hypertension. And it's essentially a Mediterranean diet that focuses a whole lot more on the optimal aspects of uh, the Mediterranean diet. Um, and when you look at this construct, it's essentially more greens, more vegetables, more fruits, more whole grains, uh, more beans and lentils, nuts and seeds, and reduction in processed foods and reduction in saturated fats, correct? Mm -hmm. And you know, fish was added as a source of omega-3 fatty acids. And the odd thing is it also includes chicken, which is you know saturated fats. But despite having chicken and a source of saturated fats, this diet was able to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease by 53%. That's amazing. And the the creator or the founder of the Mind Diet, Dr. Martha Morris, who's not with us anymore, unfortunately, brilliant lady, um, she was able to show that it's not an all or none phenomenon. That yes, higher adherence to this Mind Diet reduced the risk of Alzheimer's by fifty three percent, but even moderate adherence uh, reduced the risk by thirty five percent. So every small step of incremental change in the diet towards a more wholesome mind diet decreased the risk of Alzheimer's disease. And that was a very empowering message. And there are other studies that kind of came to us from exercise world that a, that a brisk walk for 25 minutes a day reduced your chance of Alzheimer's by as much as 40%. Yeah. Other studies that, that showed the relation between sleep or poor sleep and excessive risk of dementia right. and, and treatment of it reducing the risk and, and so on and so forth. So. We actually had been doing this work quite a bit, both in um, Aisha in Columbia University with the California teacher study, which showed that the Mediterranean diet reduced the chance of strokes. And now strokes are not independent from dementia. Right. You have vascular dementia, which comes from strokes, but also we think that underpinning even Alzheimer's is vascular phenomenon first before anything else. So so let's kind of, uh, let's break that down yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So. Maybe Dean, you should do that. Um, so as far as the pathology uh, of Alzheimer's is concerned, people always hear about tau proteins and amyloid beta proteins, right? Correct. But now we understand that despite these abnormal deposition of these proteins, there is a large underpinning of vascular damage that goes on that manifests in Alzheimer's disease. Even before correct? the tau. And, uh, so. Only 3% of Alzheimer's is driven by the kind of genes that, um, that are, uh, you know, if you have the genes, you're going to get the disease early on. Only 3%. And most of the, and, and those three genes, presenelin 1, presenelin 2, and APP. Amyloid uh, precursor Yeah, they are amyloid driven. And, and, you, and we can see that process. But for the rest of the genes, 90 plus, that's where we came up with the 90%, 90 plus percent the genes are involved, but in a in a epigenetic um, model, meaning that the genes only have, show their effect in relation to lifestyle, in the relation to environment. For example, ApoE4, that's a, the most common gene that's uh, often associated with Alzheimer's. The, the purpose of that gene is lipid transport. Well, not the gene, the product of the gene, the protein, is lipid or fat transport. So it does the job poorly. So if you're having a diet that's got lots of fats, especially saturated fats, you're going to have trouble. And therefore that actually is causing vascular disease 
And later on, you get the amyloid deposition. So you see that there, there is a vascular phenomenon behind it. Right. So coming back to Aisha's work where she looked at Mediterranean diet and stroke risk, somebody who adhered strongly to Mediterranean diet actually reduced their chance of stroke by as much as 44%. Correct. And there's been so many other studies show uh, as well that show that directly and indirectly um, diet affects the risk factors of stroke and the incidence of both ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke, which are the two types of strokes. And it makes sense when you, well, let's just talk about the Mediterranean yeah, diet because yeah. that kind of, you know, <laughs> people get a little confused about what that is. What but, is Mediterranean diet? Right. But when you look at the construct of the Mediterranean diet, it's, it's a scoring system basically. Um, because, you know, if you want to find out how um, a population in San Bernardino is eating a Mediterranean diet. What does that even mean, right? So uh, you're given a high score, a high score in the Mediterranean diet construct if you consume vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes like beans and lentils, nuts and seeds, and sources of omega-3 fatty acids, which in a large number of population is essentially fish, right? And you're given a low score if you are consuming meat, uh, red meat, sources of saturated fats like um, high-fat dairy products, and chicken, et cetera, et cetera, and of course, processed foods as well. The one thing that's in the middle is wine, but we'll talk about what that essentially means. And so when you look at the positive things, they're mostly plant-based, right? And um, what we found in our study was that every small increase in that adherence score lowered the risk of stroke significantly. And we see that for cognitive impairment as well from the studies that come from Columbia University by uh, Dr. Skirmeas' group. Uh, we see this from the studies that come to us from Spain and Greece, from the PREDIMED trial, so on and so forth. Um, so there is enough information that can create a vector for us to understand what works and what doesn't work, right? And so we have created this optimal picture of what a optimal diet looks like for the brain. And it's essentially an unprocessed plant-based diet. The only caveat is omega-3 fatty acids. Um, fish is considered, uh, you know, in many studies as healthful, but it's always compared to meat and other animal proteins. Yeah. And we know that we Red can, sorry, yes. And we know that we can um, get omega-3 fatty acids from plant-based sources as well. And these are from chia seeds, flax seeds, uh, hemp seeds. Um, and of course, the plant-based version of omega-3 fatties. I'm kind of taking a deep dive into that. No, omega I love it. Yeah, because we were going to do a whole talk on omega-3s. We have written two major papers. Maybe we we'll, should give a brief version here. A brief here. version here, And yes. then a, a deeper dive is actually in the book. And we'll have another conversation about it too sometime in the near future. Um, but, you know, conversion of ALA to DHA and EPA is higher when you lower your omega-6 levels, which are found in processed foods. So um, there is enough information to help us understand what's good for the brain. And again, when you look at how we're doing as a nation as far as food is concerned, less than 0.5% of adults in the United States actually eat a healthy diet that is defined by the American Health uh, American Heart Association standards, which is yeah. not even optimal. So even if we can make the smallest change in our dietary patterns, that actually will improve our brain health. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so 
that's the diet diet component. But we've looked at all the other elements that have been shown to be beneficial for brain. And with that, we've come up with the acronym neuro, self-serving neuro, neurologists, N for nutrition, E for exercise, U for unwind or stress management, R for restorative sleep, and O for optimizing mental activity. We're not going to go into too much depth into each of them, but in the book, we've actually laid it out. Exercise is critically important. Exercise actually grows the brain. Mm -hmm. Exercise helps the brain uh, neurons make connections. It increases blood flow to the brain, increases blood supply to the brain and and the vasculature of the brain. It increases growth hormones such as BDNF. So it's incredibly important. The three types of exercise that we know of today, aerobic exercise, more than you thought, about 150 minutes per week. But that's a n- number that's come come to us from research. We right. really don't know what the upper end is. So you can do it more than 150 and you would probably benefit. The second thing is weight training is helpful, but especially leg strength. Leg strength seems to be associated with brain health. So um, strengthen your legs for multiple reasons, mm-hmm. especially as you get older, because one of the main reasons people fall and have head traumas is because of weak legs. But beyond that, your biggest pump in the body is not the heart, it's the leg, the legs. So stronger legs are beneficial. And thirdly, make your home, your living space, a standing, moving environment. Mm -hmm. So when your environment forces behavior, and we'll talk about that a little bit because the book is all about environment, then the behavior is more likely to become habit to become culture, to become, you know, a movement. So it's critical that to to make your environment one where you're moving, you're exercising, you're, all of that stuff. The same applies for stress management. Your Correct. environment plays a big role and we now know how important stress management is. But the way we approach it is we don't just talk about how to get rid of stress. We talk about how you can increase your good stress and how you can decrease or reduce your bad stress because good stress is responsible for creating that brain resilience that we talk about all the time, the the reserve, the connections. And that comes from purposeful, complex and challenging activities that we'll talk about. The next element is sleep. And sleep in itself is an ocean that we (laughs) need to dive into sometime. But two very important things happen when we sleep. The first thing that happens is our memories get consolidated and organized in our minds. And the second thing that happens is our brain gets cleansed. We have a janitorial system called the glymphatic system, which gets activated when we hit the deeper stages of sleep, which are called a slow wave sleep. And we have objective evidence that when people don't get deep restorative sleep, they have more amyloid beta protein in their cerebrospinal fluid which gets accumulated and doesn't get cleared away by the glymphatic system. It's that important. And then sleep disorders like sleep apnea or restless leg syndrome, they contribute significantly to that damage, both vascular and secondary to the accumulation of amyloid beta protein in the brain. So cleaning your your sleep or the concept of sleep hygiene or creating an environment at home where sleep is prioritized, you know, creating a sleep spa in your bedroom is important. And then we have optimize, which yeah. is improving cognitive reserve. By the way, for all of these, if you sign, the book has specific elements and, 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 and directions, but if you sign up now, you actually get into this course where we give you downloadables and all the aspects needed to kind of implement this into your life. Right. 
So the optimized part is for challenging the brain. We did a meta-analysis in 2018, which showed three major elements, um, uh, purpose, complexity, and challenge. So activities that serve your purpose, that are challenging, and are complex are much more beneficial for the brain, and they're incredibly protective. Many studies have shown that people who are keeping their brains active and challenged are protected even against pathology of Alzheimer's. So one of the things we tell people is, yeah, Sudoku and crossword puzzles and some of these video games are great, but finding your own purpose that is complex and pushes you throughout life mm -hmm. is probably the most important thing you can do. So right. we will talk about uh, that as well in this uh, whole process. Absolutely. So that's that. But, but the thing that we're most proud of by far is the behavioral component. Agreed. The yeah. thing that this our movement is based on is the behavioral component, because we can't just throw this at people. Because if we do, we have just overwhelmed them. Oh my gosh, my whole nutrition has to change. My my exercise routine, um, and it has to get serious. Um, stress management. We haven't even started talking about stress management. It, it, there, there's several elements, and then sleep hygiene and cognitive behavioral therapy and cognitive that be, that becomes overwhelming. And most importantly disempowering right, right so there's a way to actually in create a process in a person where they own this and systematically build habits mm -hmm. in fact addictive positive habits that's what we're going for so this month we're going to do that with you in the book you'll be doing that and you'll get the tools of how to then control all behaviors so you're not stuck with your habits that you acquired during your teenage years and we believe that's where the conversation should be um, at the level of application in different communities. It's so sad to see so many confusions and nutrition wars going on in the social media realm. Um, I think if we all um, took the information that we have and we applied it to our communities, starting with our own families, there would be a massive shift in healthcare. So coming back to this book, we're really proud of it. Um, it's divided into three parts. The first part is uh, essentially about the plan and about the data on Alzheimer's prevention. Um, it's a little more expanded version of what we talked about. And we go into a deep dive into the nutrition <clears throat> aspect and some of the lifestyle research that has come to us. The second part is about a structured habit or behavior formation section where we specifically in a very summarized and a palatable way draw a picture of what needs to be done and what activities need to be avoided and then the third part that i'm really proud about is the recipe section it's essentially Amazing. a 30-day plan a brain boosting plan along with more than 75 recipes as some of you know um when I was getting my fellowship at Columbia University, I went to cooking school and I learned how to cook, got my degree and cooking has been a passion. I absolutely love being in the kitchen and creating these easy, healthy and delicious recipes. And so these are all from our kitchen approved by the kids and Dean. You want to show them some of the recipes? Actually, first read the, the, the sections. Because our audience is both in the audio and in the video. Oh, section. that's right. Yeah, I probably won't be able to show anything, but the pictures are incredible. And maybe we can add some uh, maybe thumbnails for those who are listening yes, to it yes. in the audio. But um, we really worked hard to make sure that um, 
it's not difficult. And we made these recipes and the entire book with our communities in mind, with our patients in mind and people who don't really yeah. have a lot of resources. So you don't have to go and buy something extravagant or exotic from the store for your brain health or, you know, buy any supplements or anything of that nature. Uh, it's a lifestyle plan that you can start at any time. And we've made ourselves available for 30 days uh, in a closed group for those who are interested to join us where we can have conversations. You'll have access to us on a daily basis and you can ask us questions and listen to some of our dear friends who are incredible scientists and physicians trained in behavior, habit, in sleep and stress management, making themselves available for you all to um, ask them questions. So we're very excited. And again, to tie this to everything else, to the bigger picture, we are very passionate and very proud of the fact that we work and everything goes towards the Healthy Minds Initiative. And we look forward to expanding this to a lot of communities in this country and internationally in the world yeah. so that people can become brain health ambassadors in their own communities and you know, spread this message of hope and empowerment for people so that they understand that they can live a cognitively vibrant life. Um, the, the, our Healthy Minds Initiative is incredibly efficient. It's not based on brick and mortar and a heavy HR. It's it's a technology-based driven uh, organization. It's um, a social media, but more than social media, it's, it's a connected um, um, uh, group and research-based. Absolutely. So in every community that we go, research is a part of it because if we don't do research for that particular community, we are creating data out of that that's not truly applicable. So, or implementing projects that might not be effective in that community. So it's it's a research, it's technology, and connectivity is is critical, and the community, of course. Right. Um, we're so proud that currently the two of us, not some humongous organization, lead the largest community-based brain health initiative in the country. We're about to start the largest faith-based movement uh, research uh, in the faith-based communities in the country. We are we have an Arizona-wide uh, organization that's going to start. It's not that big at, at this point. I think about 10 coaches, but we're hoping to grow statewide. But what phenomenal people. Oh my gosh. And in New York City, we're about to start one and in other cities as well. So if you want to volunteer, contact us by, by going to uh, contact at Healthy Minds Initiative or uh, .org. We'll put in all that information yeah. in the show notes. That's right. In the show notes, you'll find all the information. And to help us get this book in the next couple of days and join the group, and uh, you will help us uh, actually move this movement uh, at a direction that's never been seen before, at a rate that's never been seen before. So looking forward to seeing you guys uh, uh, with us. The book is called The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution, The Definitive Food and Lifestyle Guide to Preventing Cognitive Decline, and it's available everywhere. And uh, the, the gates for joining the program are going to remain open until Saturday night. It was supposed to close on Tuesday, yeah. but we left it open because of this massive, amazing response that we're getting from everyone in our circle and our community. That's basically it for today, guys. It was wonderful hanging out with you all love you thank you for all of the love and support that you're showing us it really means a lot and if you have any questions please um, contact us we are shares imd on instagram facebook and twitter and our website is sharesimd.com and we'll see you later thank you so much